The Catholics of Oz is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to episode 109 of The Catholics of Oz. The Catholics of Oz is a show where we discuss faith, culture, and what's been happening from an Aussie perspective. Whether it's synods or science, apostolates and apps, providence or productivity, you can hear it right now on The Catholics of Oz. Hello, I'm Lindsay Sands and welcome to episode 109 of The Catholics of Oz. So good to have you with us. And once again, we are a trio because I'm joined by my beautiful sister, Caroline Knight, who is here again, two in a row. That's good, Caroline. Caroline, how are you today? (laughs) Thank you, Lindsay. I'm here. I'm happy. It's nice and warm in Melbourne at the moment today. So warm. Tomorrow might be a different story. Yeah. But today and yesterday is nice and warm. So whenever the sun's out and it's warm, I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love, one thing I love about spring is just how the weather changes so quickly. Just on a, it just turns on a dive, doesn't it? Just... It literally yeah, this week we had a thirty degree day yeah. with hail. Would, yeah. Thunderstorms, mm-hmm. hail, the whole lot. Yeah. Yes. You wouldn't believe it unless you experience it. I have not yeah. had that before. I don't yeah. think I've experienced that before. Mm. Heat, we had a, hot yeah. day. The storm comes and it's hailing. <laughs> don't yep. I, I don't know how to explain that one. Melbourne, the place of the brief apocalypse. Yep. It's, it's really like that. It's a practice. I think it's a practice yeah. for the apocalypse. Yeah. Practice run. Yep. And that giggle you heard was our beautiful friend, Lido Sabal. Lido, how are you today? I'm good, Lindsay. Hello, everyone. Hello, Caroline. Hello, uh, all to our listeners as well. Yes, like Caroline says, this is beautiful, typical Melbourne weather. So, yeah. I, I don't know if you guys remember. Uh, was it? Nice summer we had was 38 degrees and all of a sudden bucket down rain. Yeah. And you can see pictures of the poor people in Melbourne. They're all summer gear, all of a sudden just yeah. all drenched. Getting yeah. soaked. Getting yeah. soaked. Look, this is, I keep on saying it, when people come from overseas and say, what do you have a jacket when it's 38 degrees or an umbrella in your car? Yeah. Just wait. Just, just, yeah. Yeah. You'll see. Exactly You'll see why. <laughs> yeah. Our uncle yeah. Alex, who's a priest who comes and visits every few years, he's like, yes. if he's got a joke. If you don't like the, <laughs> Melbourne, the weather in Melbourne, just wait. It will change in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's yeah. like so You'll true. get the bit you like. Yeah, just give yeah. it a couple of hours. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so good. Yeah. All right, let's roll on because we've got a, a few interesting topics to talk about today. But first of all, if you're new to listening to the Catholics of Oz, welcome. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating and some positive feedback so that we can hear from you and reach out to new people, which is what we are all about. SQPN also hosts the Catholics of Oz on YouTube. You can subscribe there, and don't forget to hit the bell to get notifications when new episodes are released. So guys, let's get right into it, and let's start with Faith Beyond Borders. Well, I'm actually feeling rather good about this. I think we've all arrived at a very special place, eh? Spiritually, ecumenically... How do you make somebody love you without affecting free will? Welcome to my world, son. You come up with an answer to that one, you let me know. Yes, I had to work very hard to pass Latin and theology. Oh, quite. Those are, of course, the most important things. Oh, yeah. I'd sit this one out, Cap. I don't see how I can. These guys come from legend. They're basically gods. There's only one god, ma'am. 
And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. I am going to try and attempt a topic that can be really heavy, but I'm going to try and make it as simple as I can because even I struggle to get my head around this. <laughs> and this is the wonderful topic of theology, studying theology. <laughs> Started for how many years, please? I don't know. I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too many. <laughs> it never stops. It never stops, Lino. It never stops. <laughs> so look, a wise person could do a theology degree in three years. So that's normal, right? So I, I did a three-year theology degree, but I did it over 10 years because I had a full-time job. <laughs> that's so a lot of theology. When, that's a lot of theology. So when, when I went and spoke to the dean and said, look, I work full-time, and this was back in 2006 or seven, I think Six, it was. Six, was it seven yeah, or yeah. something? Yeah, yeah, about then, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So to Father Brian Boyle, who was the dean at the time, I said, yeah, I work full-time. Do you have any options so I could, because I'm really keen to, to study some theology. What can you do? And so he showed me a pathway that many people have taken. I wasn't the first one where you could basically complete it over 10 years. So you just do a subject, a semester, rather than the usual four that most people do at university. And because I had done some philosophy in my previous degree. Oh, was it philosophy year we were doing before? Yeah, I did some. So I did it as an elective. I did a couple of units. So I didn't have to do philosophy again. So that that made it more accessible to me. So they were really good in in constructing a course. So I managed to do a full theology degree over over about 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And then I said, I'll never study again. (laughs) And then three years later, they're like, hey, we've got this Master's of Education (laughs) in Theology. What do you reckon? Master's, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so then I did the master's, yeah. But actually the master's was good because the theology that I'd studied, it helped me to put it to use in a deeper way. Yeah, Um, exactly. It's interesting because I can remember when I was studying theology, there were people from different walks of life, right? So clearly there were seminarians, first of all, because Corpus Christi College Seminary, sorry, where the local seminary around Melbourne, a lot of the seminarians would go and study theology at CTC or Y2U, which is the other theological college that Mm. the church has. But there'd also be, there'd be nuns or people who were entering, certain if they're going to be a nun or not. There were teachers and there were people from other walks of life as well who had, who just wanted to know more about their faith. Oh, nice. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? When I started, I had two things in mind as well. I want to be a better RE teacher. So I want to know my stuff because I had I had catechism level Catholicism and there's nothing wrong with that, right? That's, it's enough to teach. But the thing is, I wanted to get into the nuts and bolts. I wanted to know where this all, like what it all means, where it all comes from. And also nice. I had my own, yep. I had my own faith mm. questions that I need to answer as well. Or oh yeah, definitely. Least, definitely. If not answered, at least enlightened, but at least to put me on a pathway where I could explore those questions and have the tools to do that. And obviously the center of that was like all of us, our faith in Jesus. I wanted to really, if you put it, if you boil it right down, I studied theology because I wanted to know Jesus better. That's essentially it, right? By doing a course in theology, you study church history, which is great. You study scripture, which is great. You study the understanding of who God is, how God is revealed, how God revealed God's self to the world through Jesus and the incarnation dot, right? All in that study of theology, <laughs> yeah. you're looking at all those things. Otherwise, I'll exactly. go on a rant, so I have to stop. <laughs> I'll do a whole theology course. Yeah, you know what I mean, though, but yeah. Uh, it's not a rant. Rant, Lindsay. And so I, I like that, that here in Melbourne and across the world as well, there is accessible theology that people can study if they want to. And, and the other thing is, it's not a necessity to study it, right? It's not everyone has to study it. You can, you, we can, without doing a theology degree, we can all have an authentic faith in Christ that is just as good as anyone else's faith. So not studying theology doesn't mean you're missing out on something is what I want to, is what I want to stress. But for me, I needed, 
more. I needed to learn more. And I was, I was geared towards it. And this was a, I don't know, it must have been a, a three or four year search for how do I learn more about my faith? I was, re- I really wanted to, I, I'd committed myself to it and I really wanted to go deeper into it. And cool. eventually I, I worked out theology and theology degrees and it led me to CTC where I studied. So that's the long story. But what I'm trying to get at for today's topic <laughs> is that Pope Francis yeah. has recently released a letter about the future of theology, about the way that theology should, should be directed, oh. taught, delivered and understood and what its mission is in the church. And that's what I wanted to get into today. Cool. Yeah. So I might just say a little bit about that and then we'll go from there. So first of all, he released, it's called a motu proprio. It's usually like a directive from the Pope. It's this is how things, how things are going to be going forward in this particular area. And it's called ad theologium promovendum. Sorry if I got that wrong, but it's essentially an update to the statutes or the rules of the Pontifical Academy of Theology, in which he calls it to courageous cultural revolution and a commitment to dialogue in the light of revelation. Now on the Vatican website, it's in Italian. A colleague of mine sent me an English translation. Someone had gone ahead and translated to English before. The Vatican will eventually do that as well. When I read the English translation, man, is it wordy. <laughs> it is oh, wow. really okay. heavy language, right? Mm-hmm. Even me with a theology degree, I had to sit down and look at some sentences and really- wow, even with the masters there. What, yeah, with the masters, yeah. Try, yeah <laughs> try, try to work out what it means, yeah. Because, yeah, and this is the thing, what did a theology degree do, do for me? What did it do? It, it told me, it gave me all this knowledge and humbled me by reminding me that I've done all this work and I really don't know much at all. It reminded me that God is so vast that comprehending God can't be done with one degree. It takes a whole lifetime of relationship Definitely. with God. Makes sense. To comprehend. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. 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 Because God isn't static. God isn't just a statue that you stare at, right? God is the whole reason why we're here. Uh, we don't exist without God. A creation, the whole universe doesn't exist without God's love sustaining us and keeping us going. How do you fathom this thing that is so great and beyond you that says, I want a relationship with you, individually with you, right? This, so, so in my study of theology, I, I learned so much. And what I learned is that I need to keep learning. I need to keep relating back to this God. My, I need to respond in faith to this God who says, I love you and all the fascinating things that come around with that. So don't worry if you have to study theology and you feel like you're missing out. You're not missing anything, essentially, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Here is, I'm using an article from Vatican News because if I try and use the letter, again, the language can be, it's written, it's not written for me. It's not written for us, right? It's written for the Pontifical Academy, essentially, right? So it's for them, it's rules for them and so on. Anyway, it's interesting for us because there are some insights into where Pope Francis sees the future of theology in our world. So I'm using the article because it helps to break down what Pope Francis is on about. So without further ado, here are some of the things that he said. The thought behind this new letter is that the church that is synodal, missionary, and goes forth needs a theology that goes forth too. Not a theology that's just academia. Obviously, it is academia as well. So it is academic. It's a high-level study and so on. But it needs to have a mission-oriented approach as well. It needs to aid the mission of the church, right? It's a no-brainer, right? And he's also injected synodal because we're talking about synodality. We've talked about this, taking the way together, dialogue together, moving forward with God to advance evangelization in the world, all of that. And so so he's basically linking 
the study and understanding of theology with the synodality of the church, its missionary impulse, and its need to go forth as well. The Academy of Theology was actually established by Clement XI on the 23rd of April, 1718. And Pope Clement, when he established it, he said it was to place theology at the center of the church and the world. It has evolved over the years into a group of scholars called to investigate and deepen theological themes of particular relevance. I think from my reading of what Pope Francis is doing, he's actually continuing that initial, that early mission of it, which is to advance theology into the service of the church and the world, but in the context of the way the world is, because we're not 1718 anymore. In fact, we weren't even alive in 1718. So it's how does theology serve the church and the world today? So it says here, the Holy Father, it's time to revise the norms, the rules that regulate um, their activities and make them more suited to the mission that our times impose on theology. So notice that he's talking about how the world is impacting the church. Uh, It's uh, the world has changed. The church is in the world. God created the world, we're in it, we're not separated from it. Theology needs to respond to the way that the world is changing. Essentially, so God can be known in that world. Not so that it's the world and God, like you've got them separated, some kind of dichotomy. It's so that theology can continue to make God known in the world, in the way that the world is changing. So, what um, what 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 was was that word you said before? Dichotomy? Which part? Dichotomy. When you Dichotomy. split two things, yeah, two things side by side. Am I right, Caroline? It's a scientific word, isn't it? Yeah, Dichotomy. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I get the science okay, expert. Sure. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I never know. Yeah, when, when you die split two is things two. apart and have them yeah. side by side. Yep. Yeah, yeah nice. die is two. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Cool. Try cool. three, there just in case you wanted to know as well. There you go. Yeah, we could, Whoa, okay. We play this game. Yeah, and yeah. so on. Yeah, and so on. Uh, yeah, otherwise, yeah. otherwise, it's going to be a very long that. podcast. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I just yeah. what, what yeah. it means. Cool. All right. Nice. Yeah. Nice. 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 So, in that context that he said that the that theology needs to needs to speak to the world that has imposed itself on the church. He said that it says that we, when opening up to the world and humanity, he says with its problems, its wounds, its challenges, its potential, theological reflection must make room for get ready for it an epistemological and methodological rethinking, <laughs> and and therefore wow. is called uh, to okay. a courageous cultural revolution. So epistemology is essentially the theory of knowledge. How do we know what we know? So there's a whole study of philosophy that, that branches off into that. Yep. And so, methodology, yeah. methodology, the way that you go about doing things, right? Go so doing bad you, things. You know, yes. Caroline, yep. again, another scientific word, right? Scientific <laughs> methodology. You know, methodology, yes. Yeah. Remember good old, uh, am I right? When you did science in science experiments in good old year nine science and you'd have to write a report and you do oh, the method yes. of, you and remember the headings? Method. Watch, yeah. yeah, all the headings. Yeah, yeah exactly. Quite important because, yeah. In science yeah. and mm. everywhere, really, because you everywhere, explain yes, but what you've done. Yeah. You explain exactly. Yeah. Yep. Theology totally, is totally. Yep. yeah. Mm. Theology is considered in some ways a science of God, which is a really strange way to put it. But it is. It does have a methodology too. It needs to. Mm. It's not just make it up as you go. There mm. are particular mm. ways of doing, studying, applying things in theology to the world as well. That's it just a good thing about our church. It's yeah. like everything is, in a way, researched. There's no nothing just taken for. At face value, like mm-hmm. everything yeah. is uh-huh. studied in depth. It's amazing. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the amazing nice. thing about the accessibility of faith from the very basic to the highly academic to people who are 50 billion times smarter than us. There's accessibility of faith to all levels. That's if correct. it wasn't accessible to all levels, it wouldn't be authentic, would it? And I think that for me oh, gives a yeah. credibility is that, that you can, yeah, that yeah, logic, yeah. You can yeah. go 
you can study as deeply as you want to into faith and you will always have more questions coming out of it. And I think that makes it authentic, right? So there he says, therefore, it's called to a, a courageous cultural revolution. So time to rethink the way that we do theology in the world now. So he said, what is needed is a fundamentally contextual theology capable of reading and interpreting the gospel in the conditions of which men and women live daily in different geographical, social, and cultural environments. That for me is a no-brainer. I don't think that shocks anyone. That, that is, how, does the, how do we ensure that the gospel speaks to the context we're in today? Because the context is different to 50 years ago, 100 years ago, years ago, 100 years ago. Years ago. Yeah. Definitely. What hasn't changed is the message of the gospel. Even today, it's still good news. That's the important yeah. thing, right? Jesus Christ came to the world, revealed God to us, died for all of us uh, out of love and has shown us the way to eternal life with him. That hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. But how can that be comprehended in today's world? Because mm-hmm. the world, of, for mm-hmm. example, the world of the gospel is different, right? In uh, Next year, we're looking at, uh, we're not looking at, sorry, next year, we the lectionary goes to the gospel of Mark. We have our A, B and C cycle of readings, right? That's correct. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Mark's gospel, the writer Mark was trying to address this question that had come up because the claim of the early Christians was and is that Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of God. So for the Jewish mind, the Messiah is the one who will come and save them, the savior, by wiping out the Romans and taking the throne, the literal throne, the Messiah will come and take the literal throne and create a kingdom of God on earth, an earthly kingdom, right? And and Jesus clearly wasn't coming to do that. And in fact, his disciples in Mark's gospel, especially the disciples get it wrong. They're always like, they're waiting for this to happen. This is what the Messiah is going to do. But then you have the Gentiles, the philosophers, the Greeks and so on, who were saying, how can you claim this guy Jesus is God when he was killed? He was crucified. That That's foolish. That's ridiculous. How can you believe that? So Mark is trying to address these two questions. In his time, the good news for the people in his time, how do, it, how do I tell you, how do I help you understand that this Jesus is God, the good news, the Messiah, the so on, and that you should believe in him and give your life to him? And that's, now that's what we're doing today. Now, we don't have necessarily as much the question of, of if he was God, why did he die? Now that question might come up. We have lots of other questions too. Why did he say this? Why did he do that? Is there even a God? We have other questions that we're dealing with now as well. So that is one big question. Yeah. Yeah. Frank was asking me last night, how do we know Jesus was God? And I had to sit there and think about that one. Because yeah. he's, he's at an age yeah. now where he's learning about his faith and he wants to no. know answers. No. Yeah. And it's good that he's questioning. And we had a really good discussion. Yeah. yeah. No, That's it's cool. really good. That's yeah. Cool. And so theology needs to speak to Frankie. And it needs to speak to us in, mm. in the world today. And that's mm-hmm, what Pope Francis mm-hmm. is asking for them to think about is, and he said, that's why he says a fundamentally contextual theology. <clears throat> Excuse me, that's the hay fever kicking in. A contextual theology. Oh. Yeah. So one that speaks to, the, to every context that it's mm. in from now to forever and ever. So just to, I'll get, try and get to a little bit more, but not too much more because I'm just conscious of time. But he says that one thing that theology needs to do more is dialogue with different traditions and disciplines. So there are obviously different disciplines of study and there are different faith traditions and there are people who are non-believers who have no faith at all. So theology needs to work more to dialogue with all of those differences so that the gospel can make its way into, into those other parts of human thinking. So he says, for this reason, theology must 
make use of new categories developed by other forms of knowledge in order to penetrate and communicate the truths of faith and transmit the teaching of Jesus in today's languages with originality and critical awareness. What he's saying is the gospel needs to get into all of the different things that are popping up today. Whether we agree or disagree is a discussion for a different time. But the regardless of that, uh, everything needs the gospel. It needs the good news. We can't keep the good news away because we think that we don't like that or whatever else. So it's about helping, uh, using theology to help the good news reach into every corner of the world, every corner of people's thinking. Whether they like the gospel, agree with the gospel, don't care about the gospel, at least raising awareness and understanding of what it is. So that when a person talks to a Christian, they can say, I don't believe in Christianity, but I do understand why people do. That's, a, that's dialogue going in the right direction, right? That, that's an important thing because that kind of dialogue generates more respect, more acceptance, and it does give the good news the opportunity to do its work as well. Because we're not trying to secretly convince or convert anyone to anything. We are just trying to allow the grace of God to go into people's lives and let that grace do what it does best, which is change hearts and change lives and change minds. We're not Jesus. Jesus does the work. We, we, do, the, we do the invitation. Right? And sometimes that's just simply dialogue. So he talks about theology having a pastoral stamp. And he says there, he says that the, I'm sorry, I've just lost my spot there. So then there is the contribution that theology can make to the current debate of rethinking thought, showing itself as a discipline of wisdom to be a true critical discipline. However, theology is a discipline that must not be abstract and ideological, but spiritual, worked out on one's knees, pregnant with adoration and prayer, a transcendent discipline, and at the same time, attentive to the voice of the people. Also mercifully addressed to the open wounds of humanity and creation and within the folds of, the hum- of human history to which it prophecies the hope of an ultimate fulfillment. So essentially, yeah, he says that it needs to have a pastoral stamp. That is, theology, like I said, it can be off-putting if the language is inaccessible, right? It needs to be accessible to everyone. All right. So essentially, theology, the knowledge of God, the study of God, churches, that needs to be done in a way that anyone can access it. And because what we're saying is we're not asking people to access because you don't, you know, the, the good old cliche, you don't go to heaven because of what you know, right? <laughs> we, we go to heaven because of who we know, the person of Christ, who we know, our experience of Jesus. Uh, God wants all of us to be with God now and also forever. All right. It's not like we're in line in a queue waiting to see if we'll be with God forever or if God wants us. God does want us. And theology and an accessible theology is one of those ways in which that can be done. So that when people, when future, I think what Pope Francis is trying to do is future-proof theology so that when people study it or when people contribute to it, so you know, academics tr- contribute to it and so on, their focus is not just the dry let me use some big language and show you what I've discovered or whatever else. But what is the pastoral application of the theology that you're studying? What is the pastoral application of the doctorate you're about to submit? What good will it do for the world to advance the gospel and help change people's lives in whatever situation they're in, whether they're people whose lives are broken, if their lives are broken, Mm, mm. how is your theology, how is your contribution to theology going to help people who are broken? How is it going to help our planet? How is it going to make the good news known 
in places where the good news may not be known yet. How is, uh, let's break it right down. How is the face of Jesus going to be seen in the work that you do in theology, I guess is what Mm. we're looking at. And that might seem like a no brainer in some ways. We could say, hasn't theology always tried to do that? And the answer is yes. But Pope Francis is giving Mm. some very specific directions about how he, I see this as future proofing theology, like I said before, in ensuring that it's not just an abstract academic study but it is a missional living out of the gospel in the world now and forever. Amen. There we go. All right. Nice. Yeah. No, no, so there you go. Pope Francis's directions on theology. Any thoughts on that? Sorry, it's, I, I try not to make it too heavy, but yeah. yeah. Let, let's see if you've been listening. Caroline, what do you think? Have I been listening? Now, of course you have, yeah. Sorry. What, what I've got from this is Pope Francis's desire to bring the gospel and theology to the people to people of every walk of life and, like you said, make it more accessible. And to me, like, he does it too at his own, like, at much criticism because I know he has a desire to reach every single person from every single walk of life, no matter what path they're travelling. And he does get criticised a lot for that as well. But I really think his heart is really with the people and he really wants the best for everyone and he wants everyone to experience God's love and a, a, a faith life and an experience to have a connection with Jesus. Like Jesus wanted the connection with us and got Pope Francis, I think he's trying to find a way of how we can do that for everyone. I really think that is his greatest desire as a Pope. You can see that in, like, even the documentary we watched earlier in the year. Yeah, yeah, the Pope Pope Answers, is it? Yeah, the Pope Answers. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. when he was interviewed by young youth from every walk of life. All walks of life, all walks of life, yeah. And and his heart is for everybody, no matter what experience they're having. And I just think that's, that's what I'm getting from this, yeah. Yeah, I see it as because uh, if you think about Jesus and being criticized for who he spent time with and the things that people said about him, right? So I see that in a similar vein as well. And I can think of how previous popes before Pope Francis, the same thing, right? They've, uh, they've been seen with people and people have said, what? Why, why are you yeah. in the presence of you that? You know, why you talk to that people. person? Why did you invite that person <laughs> yeah. to the Vatican or whatever it might be? You, you know? shouldn't yeah. be extending yeah. yourself to yeah. this group of people. You're a yeah, better than kind that. of. They get called names yeah. and and all sorts of horrible yeah. things. Yeah, I right, know it's good. Lena, any thoughts from you on this? Yeah, he wants to share this throughout throughout the whole world and in, in this day and age, we are connected and communicated through social media. So I'm not sure how that's going to work, but I know they will work through it. So yeah. through Facebook, can't say Twitter anymore. It's called X now, isn't it? X yeah. Twitter. That's what I can X Twitter. That's correct. Yeah, like, yeah, I like that one. Yeah, X Twitter. And you, true. TikTok and even like, not more TikTok, but that's very short. To express the Pope's love in theology and to make people understand, but it's not only for us Catholics. It is, yeah. uh, like you said, it's for every denomination, every walk of life and people to under, to pick their interests and go, what is theology? I've never, I've heard mm. about this. I've read about it. Where can I have an, I have a yeah. look at what it means. And yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Or who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Exactly. That you're talking about? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Who's this Jesus you talk about? Yeah. And who are these yeah. disciples who yeah. also spread the love of 
Jesus' yeah. message yeah. and God's yeah. love throughout the world. And a lot of questions. Yeah. Yeah, Why do these Christians yeah. seem to have this radical love for each other and look out for each other and, and extend that love to everyone else? Why do they do that? Mm. It's mm. all these things that our witness can do. And theology helps to inform that as well. This is what Pope Francis, again, the pastoral stamp, right? Yeah. Exactly. Great. All right. There you go. Doing a bit of theology this morning. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move on then. And Caroline, we're going to throw it to you because it's time to talk about science. Ah, what a fine day for science. You have any hobbies? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Can you reverse the polarity? I'll do my best. I am very excited for this topic. All I'm going to say is woolly mammoths, and then I'm going to throw it over to you. (laughs) Woolly mammoths. (laughs) Woolly mammoths. So today we're going to be talking about tracking one of these woolly mammoths. A group of scientists have been able to track the movements of a woolly mammoth that lived about 17,000 years ago in Alaska. So woolly mammoths lived about between 300,000 and 10,000 years ago, and they lived over large mass of land, including parts of Asia, Europe, North America, with fossils and skeletons being found in these areas. Frozen woolly mammoths have also been found, and one such mammoth, a baby, was found in the permafrost in northwestern Canada in 2022, pretty recently, and it was thought to be about 30,000 years old and is the most complete woolly mammoth found to date. Woolly mammoths foraged on vegetation and they may have eaten up to 180 kilos of food per day. Goodness me, how expensive is that? Wow. <laughs> totally. Lena, that yeah. sounds like Lance's Bucks Night the other week. That's <laughs> <laughs> so, so true. Yes. Yeah. Um, just just for context, we went to a friend's Bucks Night and it was at a bar where you play computer games, which was good. And my brother might have ordered a bit more food bit than we too needed. Much. At, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So we yes, ate like woolly mammoths that, that night. Yeah. Yeah. So you were all woolly yeah. mammoths that night. We didn't drink like woolly mammoths. I just want to put that out there, oh, though. Because no. woolly mammoths didn't drink alcohol, so that's good. So maybe we did drink like woolly mammoths. How does that work? Anyway, no, so <laughs> continuing on, <laughs> it's thought that the, that the modern day elephant relatives, woolly mammoths, were quite social and they moved around in herds. They had thick, shaggy herds. coats yeah. and they had tusks that could be up to 12 feet long. Mm-hmm. Size-wise, woolly mammoths were quite large. And according to Wikipedia, male woolly mammoths reached shoulder heights between 2.67 and 3.5 metres, which is about Goodness 8 me. and that, 11 yeah. feet. They Ooh. weighed about yeah. 4 and 8 tonnes, between 4 and 8 tonnes. <laughs> yeah, that's metric tonnes. And while females yeah. reached about 2.3 to 2.6 metres, which is about seven and a half to eight and a half feet in shoulder heights. And they also weighed between about three and four metric tons. So big guys, big Which animals. Which is how we felt after Lance's Bucks party. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A team of scientists yeah. led by Matthew Wooler. So his last name is actually Wooler. Very fitting name. Yes. It was Wooler. I was about to say. Oh, there you go. There you go. 
There what? you go. Yeah. Um, he was born for this. He was, he born, was born to do this. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. This is destiny. Yeah. It yeah. is. <laughs> now, he's an isotope scientist and he's the one who tracked the path of this woolly mammoth. And they've named this woolly yeah. mammoth called Kick by analyzing strontium and other isotopes in the woolly mammoth's tusks. So an isotope basically is an atom of an element that can have the same number of protons in its nucleus and the same number of electrons, but will have a different number of neutrons. So isotopes can act like a chemical signature. Since isotopes are in everything in the environment, like soil, water, rocks, plants, and everything that animals interact with, they can become incorporated into the animal's body. And in this case, Mm. the mammoth's tusks. So as the tusks grow, they add a layer every day and the isotopes in the layers of the tusk contain a record of where the mammoth has been and what it ate. So by analysing the isotopes in the tusks, the migration routes of this particular mammoth was able to be tracked. But how did the researchers know where the isotopes they would find come from a certain place? So before the tusk study, there was actually another study done and it was completed using rodent teeth. And these rodent rodents were called voles. So 162 of them had their strontium values taken and the strontium map of Alaska was actually made. Cool. And even though the study was done on modern rodents, a map is still accurate for the Pleistocene era when the mammoths lived, as the rocks are still the same and the strontium values actually change very slowly uh-huh. and over millions of years. So this the record is still current, basically. <laughs> so to get the value of the strontium in the mammoth's tusks, Woolas selected Kick's tusk out of 174 tusk specimens that are actually stored at the University of Alaska. So Kick's tusk was collected in 2010 near the Kikia Krorak River in Kik, Alaska. Yep. So that's why he's called Kick. Yeah. And ah, um, okay, yeah. and genetic testing of his, this mammoth whose jawbone was complete with molars revealed he's a male. Oh, complete. Oh, wow. Yep. And radiocarbon dating showed that he died about 17,100 years ago. So to be able to analyze his tusk, it first had to be split. It was two. It was twenty-two kilos, quite heavy, or about goodness me, twenty-two kilos. Ooh, yeah, it was sawed using a bandsaw very carefully and slowly. Took the team about <laughs> a whole day yeah. <laughs> to get it done. Wow! So then wow, the wow, tusk wow. was dyed to reveal the growth layers with the base being the oldest age of the mammoth and then the tip of the tusk being the youngest age of the mammoth and the middle being the lifetime of the mammoth. So the tusk was analyzed from the base to the tip by cutting it into five centimetre wedges and feeding them into a laser ablation multi-collector inductivity coupled plasma mass spectrometer. Everyone has one of those at home. Yeah. <laughs> a very wow. fancy yeah. mass spectrometer. That's right. It's the most complicated mass spectrometer. I, I use it to make toast. <laughs> and, <laughs> so the laser in the machine was about 80 microns wide and slowly made its way across each wedge of the tusk before the mm. isotopic analysis. Mm. They obtained 400,000 data points about Kick and what he ate and where he lived and where he died. Oh, wow. So they were able to match the strontium values in Kick's tusk to the values on the strontium map that they created earlier with the voles. And now it 
They found that during Kick's life, he made his way between the Alaskan interior and the north slope of the Brooks Range, which is about uh, 1,100 kilometers or 700 mile wow. one way trip. One way trip, wow. It would have been longer if he went around the place would grazing on vegetation. So it wasn't a, exactly a straight line. So yeah, yeah, these woolly mammoths yeah, yeah, yeah. traveled mm-hmm. very long distances back and mm-hmm. forth. So he traveled mm-hmm. in this um, area back and forth during his life. It's thought that Kick and his fellow mammoths responded to seasonal changes and to the vegetation that was available yes. to eat yeah, in the areas yeah, where they yeah, lived. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So Kick used to go to the North Slope in Alaska and use the low pass in the western part of the range to get there. And this is actually the same route that the modern ah, caribou use today. Yeah. So it's quite a popular route oh. for these animals. Yes. So when analysing the base of the tusk, like towards the end of his life, they found that Kick's stayed more local to the North Slope as he got older and he stopped the long range travelling. They also found that in his last year of life, during the summer, the nitrogen isotope measured in his tusk started to increase and this indicated that poor Kick was at the end of his life. He started to starve and this is what caused the nitrogen spike. Now, it could have been that he may have become sick and unable to travel and feed. So maybe he would have started to starve and resources would have been scarce around him because he couldn't get around. And they think it would have been around the wow. late winter or spring. Kick was around 28 years of age, which for a mammoth is pretty young because the average lifespan of a mammoth oh, I think, well, is about okay. years old. Oh, so no. it could yeah, well, well be that yeah, he was yeah, unwell yeah, yeah. with something yeah. and was unable to get around poor yeah. Kick. Now that the team have been able to track Kick's movements, they've also begun analysing the tusks of another mammoth found in the Alaskan interior. This time it's a 19-year-old female that lived around 14,300 years ago, which is 3,000 mm-hmm. years later than Kick. And this time it's when humans lived in the area and around the time that the mammoths became extinct in that region. It'll be interesting to see whether they find out if it was a difference in the migration patterns of the mammoth, they know too that the climate mm-hmm. began to change around that time, became warmer and wetter, and would have changed a bit according to the weather. And this combination of humans and hum- and climate change seems to have contributed to the demise of the mammoths in this area. So having said that, there are teams working on bringing back the wallaby mammoth, which would be totally awesome. Mm-hmm. I've also included an article yeah. in, that will be in our show notes about such a team who want to bring back the mammoth by 2027, which is only a few years ago. So, yes, although poor Kick died, we may be able to meet some modern, (laughs) maybe relatives, you call them, (laughs) in the near future. I have a question about that, right? That's what I was thinking about is how cool it would be to bring a woolly mammoth back. But would our conditions today be suitable for a woolly mammoth to survive comfortably would it yeah, i guess if it yeah, yeah, yeah. would yeah, it would it adapt question. in its lifetime mm. to the way the climate the environment mm. is now or would it actually suffer because it's not because its genes are designed for a climate that's not what we have now that's very very good question it wouldn't be a pure mammoth i guess they'd mix it with say uh, probably hopefully not frog dna because so we saw how that like went that, down that so was that not a, a bad idea bad idea <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd imagine they would get it to live in an area where it is quite cold and, you know, where there's vegetation available for it. So I'm sure that they would find, you know, perhaps somewhere in the 
like Northern Hemisphere where there are mm. those kind of environments where they used to live, mm. you know, and probably being born at this time, they would probably slowly yeah, adapt yeah. as they get yeah. older, you know, so they would probably learn yeah. to live in the climate that they're given, I guess you could say. But yeah. that's a very interesting yeah. thing to think about for sure. It's the same yeah. with the thylacine that they're, bring back, bringing, yeah. they're trying to yeah. bring back that's that correct. we've spoken yeah. about before. Yeah. It would also have to Adapts. learn to yeah, yeah. live in yeah. the environment that they put it in. Presumably, I'm not sure how yeah. much Tasmania has changed. It's still a giant forest. The, the time <laughs> yeah. I don't think yeah. it's been that long. But the woolly mammoth, if you think about it, is covered yeah. in a thick fur. It would have to live somewhere cold. It needs a lot of vegetation. So it would definitely need that mm. kind of environment yeah. to live in, for sure. You mm. can't trim a woolly mammoth's fur. That's, that's not right, is it? You just can't touch it. Give it a haircut. Just, just let him be. What can he... <laughs> Yeah, my dog groom is pretty good. Maybe I'll give it. That would be a huge job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. in case the change. Yeah, <laughs> just a change of weather. Maybe I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Maybe would there's all low. sorts of. If we had mm. left the woolly yeah, mammoth, yeah. would it have adapted to our environment? True. Would it have gone extinct true. anyway yeah. because yeah. the environment's changing? Mm. And then there's ethical questions. Yeah. Should we bring it back? Is it fair to an animal that? is created, basically, is it fair to even do it in the first place? There's all sorts of questions. There are people who agree with it, people who don't agree with it, but they are forging ahead. And for humans, it would be really interesting to see a woolly mammoth, whether it comes back as a full species, like a whole big herd. Look, no doubt it would be so cool to see any extinct animal brought back again. Like you said, the ethical considerations of, yeah. So for me, the question also is, will the animal suffer, right? That is one thing. Because it, the conditions yeah. are not the same, especially if it's, yeah. we're talking thousands yeah, of years or, or as something. It were, yeah. That's thing I was thinking ago. was, yeah. I don't, again, I'm, I'm only guessing here, but you'd have to keep them on a reserve. You, couldn't, you wouldn't actually release them out into the wilds because yes. Differently, the biodiversity sorry, would be put them in the turned wild. upside no. down yeah, by introducing a new species. It would it? just yeah. crazy. Yeah. They would have to be able to migrate. Yeah. It would, exactly. Like the way that they used to. Yeah, like elephants agree. still yeah. migrate. I mean, they have trouble yeah. too yeah, because of human that, interference. Yeah. If... I true, don't know. They'd have true. to purchase yeah. a big part of land. I don't know what yeah. Alaska is like. I don't know if yeah. there's land of it. I don't know. But they would have to be able to. I mean, no, you can't that's right. Keep you it like in yeah. a zoo, yeah. say. No, no, you, you can't. Know, no, it wouldn't be not. fair. No. They yeah. would need some yeah. kind of reserve of land. And probably Shoot. these are yeah. going to be captive animals. So they're going to be kept like. They're going to be fed. Oh, of course, They're of not course, going to yeah. be let wild. Yeah, exactly, I don't think yeah. so. That's yeah. what I assume anyway. But I can see, I can hear David Attenborough doing one of those. Oh, really yeah. That would be yeah. so good. Caroline, that was really fascinating. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, learning about tracking their path even. Through I thought it was science, fascinating amazing? to think that you talked about, was it the caribou now taking the same path? And I'm wondering if that's mm, yeah. something that, not passed on like here I teach you, but because it wouldn't just be mammoths, it would be all kinds of animals using that same over time. And if that's, yeah. if it's the same using sort of same ancient, sort of, yeah. Yeah, ancient yeah. migration that those animals yeah. live that's being, that's just replicated mm. over time, even exactly. to today, that would be really yeah. fascinating to find out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There would oh, definitely awesome. be other animals yeah. that migrate. They yeah, I've, se- I've seen Ice Age, don't worry. I know as how the woolly works. Mammoths. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's just that the woolly mammoths were probably yeah. easy I guess yes, with spears, yeah, yeah. they're easy targets. Yeah. Oh, uh, and yeah. the vegetation yeah. that yeah. they needed to eat was dying out and so they didn't really have a chance. But the caribou may have yeah. been able to or 
or a, an ancestor of the caribou of today yeah. would have still yeah. been able to make it and they made it. Yeah. Survival yeah, of the course, fittest. Of yeah. True. <laughs> but yeah. Quite interesting. It certainly is. Yeah, it's fun it to think is. about these things. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> While we're being entertained, let's yeah. let's move on then. All right. And because we have some time, let's talk about entertainment. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. This is not what we came here to do. No. It's what I'm going to do. I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have. I don't know. I've got a couple of things to bring up. I don't, let, let's try this. Lena, you can help me with the first one. I talked about mm-hmm. Lance's mm-hmm. Bucks party that we went to last week. So just very quickly, Lance is a good yeah. friend of ours from yes. church who, who's getting married in December and we're very excited for him. Not, not too long to go. Not too long, yeah. actually. Goodness me. His We're wife did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So he made a confirmation. Yeah, oh, beautiful. Did yeah. He, did he? Oh, so, um, awesome. Nice. Yeah. And his wife just made her confirmation with Frankie <laughs> on the same night. Yes. We didn't know. And we went to confirmation and there they were. And we were all surprised and happy. <laughs> Frankie knew, but he didn't know that like they had done a confirmation yeah. uh, retreat the day before and he got to meet but, her. Oh, but he yeah, knew that we knew yeah. them already. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> as is tradition, you have a, a Bucks party or whatever else. And because we're good people, we wouldn't have a wild, crazy one because we just don't do that. However... We do have a late one, which is the part that I always struggle with, right? So I think I got home at one yeah, in the morning. Most people yeah. go, that's tame, but yeah, but I'm old, so I think that makes we me did. tired thinking about it. Yes, right. But however, in terms of entertainment, I, I wanted to focus in particular on a place that we went to in the, the middle of our session, Lino. Oh no, you weren't there for that, Lino. Oh, okay. It was called, yeah, you missed that part. Went to a place, you can talk about the next one then. Went yep. to a place called Saboteur, mm-hmm. right? And Saboteur is, it's essentially, yeah. what they've done is they've taken the game... Among Us. So it's a popular computer yeah, game yeah. where you play, it's like a murder mystery where one or two of you are the murderers and you kill someone. When someone discovers that someone's been killed, you have a little conference and you try and say, I saw this person do that and see if you can discover who the murderer was. So this was like the live action version exactly. of this. So you wear oh, a little wrist wow. and, it, and it tells you if you're the, if you're the murderer or not. And then you use it, you, you kill, I'm saying inverted commas here, other players by pointing your little laser. Ooh at other players and then you press the button and it gets them. But if someone sees you, they can, they can out you whatever else. And because it's fairly visible, you have to be careful about how you go about it because if you get spotted, you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. We had a lot of fun playing, playing that. We decided it never happens, but we'd made a pact at the start that we'd always vote Lance out because he was the buck. But then we thought, no, we better not do that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it's it's in the Docklands and it's just a, it's just, they've put, I don't know, six or seven shipping containers together and decked it out into a moon base is what they call it. It's just a series of corridors. Yeah. And you do nice. tasks. It's got little games of tasks. Yeah, the thing is, yeah, yeah. you can get distracted by those tasks. And so if you're not paying attention and the murderer comes by, they could get you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a no. lot of fun. Cool. It, was, it was really Thank good. You. The second place we went to, Lido, was a place called Fortress. And this is a, it's a bar, mm. but it's dedicated to computer gaming and things like that and board gaming and whatever else. While people drink and imbibe on things that they shouldn't have too much of, they've got a massive room full of computers. <laughs> 
and then they have and what we did is we we hired two like booths they are basically it's got a big tv in front of it and you can play yes. you can play yep. your favorite console big games TV and eat food and, and drink water and whatever else mm-hmm. it is that you, that you mm-hmm. want to do mm-hmm. yeah the last thing i want to say about That's it great. is that i was thoroughly unsatisfied by the end of it because jerry who <laughs> podcasts with us from time to time has been here since, since the start of the podcast he and i have a grudge we have unfinished business it's a FIFA grudge. We played FIFA 1999 on Nintendo all those years ago. And he used to beat the living daylights out of me because he was better at it than I was. So I practiced and practiced. <laughs> I took him on. I was doing really well in FIFA 99. I scored a goal, but it was disallowed because Jerry had pressed the foul button and fouled my player. And so the program decided it would award me a free kick instead of allowing my goal. And so Jared was laughing and I was like funny furious. Let's put it that way. All right. Oh. We had our match on, we had one match of FIFA 23. I was Tottenham Hotspurs and he was Arsenal. And, and it was a draw, wasn't it, Lino? So we were very competitive. We were re- no, it was, it was a draw. All. We didn't score any goals all. for that one. It, I'm pretty sure it was, yeah, it was like zero, zero. Oh, no, yeah, sorry, sorry. We were zero, very zero, competitive, zero, sorry. Yeah, going zero, at zero, it, whatever zero, else. Zero, sorry, sorry. Then we so played a, a few more games with everyone else. <laughs> one, one. Then Jared and I thought, let's have one more. A goal. One more. I scored a goal. But then it got to 11.30 when we finished with the booth and the TV switched off. 11.30. And you just and went, you know what? Normally I'd get very angry. Game. I just looked at Jared and Lino and I said, guys, I'm not surprised. <laughs> that was it. And then reached to a bowl of wedges and just ate. Yeah. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah. yeah. The only way yeah. to handle yeah. that situation. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, right. Saboteur right. and, and, and Fortress, <laughs> they were a lot of fun. Good, good, good places to go and hang out. Even if you're not going to a box, just hang out with friends. Yeah. Yeah. Caroline, yeah, what about you? Yeah. Yeah. So I got a couple of very little things. One's nerdy, one's I'm so surprised, Caroline. I'm so surprised. (laughs) (laughs) You can decide which one is which. I love listening to Audible books. And the latest one that I'm listening to, because I've always heard about the Confessions of St. Augustine, and I'm like, I'm going to download this and I'm going to listen to it. And oh my gosh, I love it. It's amazing. Not only is it like a historical perspective, but it's his perspective and his love of God is just the way he expresses it. Amazing. I couldn't express it like that myself so i'm really enjoying going through that at the moment so i guess that would be my nerdy one and the geeky one is uh (laughs) recently so frankie and sorry harry my youngest his birthday was in september and he had a little bit of birthday money left over from his relatives i love birthday money it's so good yeah and so he had a little bit left over and he discovered, because he's totally into the Nintendo Switch at the moment, and he's become <laughs> a real one. Zelda fan. So he's been playing yes. oh, Zelda. Zelda's, oh, yeah. classic. He discovered I had uh, Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Breath of the Wild, what's it Breath called? Breath of the Wild? That, yeah, that one. The one you got the first one, one I think. Oh, I can't yeah. remember now. It's a recent yeah. one, a few years Tears ago. Tears of the Kingdom, the second Kingdom one, yeah. or something. Yeah. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. It's another second one. one. Yes. Yeah. Okay, but this okay, one is for okay. Switch, and he found yeah. it because he'd actually found Zelda through yeah. Nintendo Switch Online, yeah, yeah. the older versions. Uh, the right, I think yeah. it was the okay. 64 Ocarina version. And then he, he had a look yeah. in our Switch collection. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, Mom, you've got a Switch <laughs> yeah. game of Zelda. I'm like, yeah, play it. So he loves it. And then he, on YouTube or some other way, he found out that you can get a VR headset for the Switch. Oh, so no. It's just basically just a yes, pair of yeah, goggles yeah. with the lenses. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I can thought, see it. Wow. Not a big expensive thing. No, it's just (laughs) like you know, they're good, very good. And people run into walls. (laughs) No, we didn't get very. Yes, this one was about thirty dollars or whatever, and Ah, he had that much left. 
And I'm like, okay, well, you know what? Nice. You can get that with your birthday money. Yes. So yesterday it arrived in the mail and he put the Switch console in because basically you just slide it in the front and you just yeah. put the goggles on your head. Yeah. And you look at the Switch through the lenses. Yeah, now, for I, me, yeah, I would be, yeah, be sick. Exactly, like I yeah, cannot yeah, handle yeah. anything yeah. motion oh, like that. Oh, wow. But Harry's yeah, fine yeah, yeah. and he was playing it for hours and he just playing Zelda like that. And it's very funny. I had to say, <laughs> don't down. go near the sit stairs. Down. Just yeah, yeah. sit in your room. <laughs> don't walk. <Yeah. laughs> just stay in your room yeah. and don't walk around too much. Walk and around. I just moved his oh, no. chair and everything else. Yeah, true, and true. So basically you just hold, you put the Switch, you slide the Switch in the front of the goggles and you ha- take the Switch controllers and you just basically play like that and you get a sounds like fun oh, three wow. yeah. spiritual sort of experience Why not? like that oh that's so, so awesome yeah, yeah. So it was yeah. very cute to see my little nine-year-old <laughs> with his big goggles looking <laughs> very looking like Jordy LaForge yeah, yeah. <laughs> by the end of the day he took it off and, uh, and then he goes mommy yeah. I'm dizzy yeah, I'm like it. okay yeah, stop yeah, yeah. now yeah I was about yeah. to say yeah, I'll be yeah, having yeah. a break yeah. and then I don't think it's really good for you to play a long time but yeah so there you go those are my two quick entertainment Lena have you got a quick one to throw in as well yeah so we're up to the third yes. season of yes. Picard. Yes, Lindsay. Just Hallelujah. Okay, okay. Right. So settle down. Yeah. Oh, Fight, yeah, finally. So I loved yeah. the first two seasons. This season is very good as well. So I loved how the connections and everything go get, get together. So, so we're really enjoying that. I started watching Oh, yeah, Fubar. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. So yeah. It's a good show. Definitely not for children. Don't no. watch it with your kids yeah. because, yeah, there's yeah. Not, definitely not for children. But the family themes yeah. and what was going on, yeah. it makes sense being in a yes. yeah. secret it, For me, it's about but, the um, one-liners, the and, only, only um, one-liners. They're back. And they're just true. as good yeah, and bad yeah, as they true. ever were. And I, I liked, that's what I liked about it. I love the reference with the, where the guard, the whatever yes. the guard, and also yeah. the helicopter that came to save yeah. them. Yeah, I saw the guard that, yeah. that gets run um, by the car. So I, had to run over some, I had to run over some things with him. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Some, yeah, some line. Sport wise, just watching cricket at, if there's a yeah. proper time to watch it because there's the World Cup. So, India, South Africa. Australia and New Zealand. So they're the force, they're, they're in there. I think we've got one more game right. in the regular round. I think, I'm not sure. I think we've got one more and then we'll play, start playing the finals. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. But besides Good one. that, yeah, yeah I'll throw in okay. a quick mention of Loki season two to say I'm really enjoying it. I haven't seen the last oh, yeah, episode yet, yeah. so I won't say anything about it until I've seen everything. But it's really mm, good. I'm yeah. going to binge watch it. Car- Caroline did not know that it was out. <laughs> Whoops, sorry. I should have told you. Oh, yeah. Look. I don't yeah. know where I've been, been all over. Yeah, totally yeah, off okay. the planet. Yeah. You'll, everyone yeah. finds yeah, out yeah. by the email or from my social media. You well, know, Disney have a responsibility yeah. to They should send a person to things. your house, <laughs> knock on your door and say, Loki is starting tomorrow. Yeah. Loki. Yeah. I love yeah. Loki the first season. Yeah. I can't believe they I, I feel like the second season's even better. I like the first season a lot too. Yeah. 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 I just really need to watch it. It is one of the best by far. Yeah. Yeah. I might have said that yeah. about WandaVision, yeah. actually. They're both oh, absolutely great. All right, let's wrap it up there. Yeah. So we just want to thank everyone for joining us for episode 109 of The Catholics of Oz. And before we go, we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the show. Today, we would love to thank Katrina M., Larry P., Jonathan S., Zach B and Ed M. Through their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give, they make it possible for the Catholics of Oz and all of the other shows at StarQuest uh, to continue. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. We'd love to know your thoughts about our topics today, about how theology is can be present in the world. 
about woolly mammoths, which Caroline really, I loved it. It was so good. So fascinating. Yeah. So you can send us feedback by visiting sqpn.com slash Oz, spelled O-Z, where you can also find our links from today's episode. Don't forget to sign up to StarQuest's Insiders Club newsletter to learn more about your favorite shows, sqpn.com slash about slash newsletter. Get on the Discord, SQPN Discord, and meet with other listeners and other show hosts and, and interact with them, sqpn.com slash Discord. And don't forget all the socials, facebook.com slash Media at SQPN on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. Starquest Media on Instagram, X, X Twitter. That's X the one. Twitter. Yeah, that's right. X Twitter. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's what we're going to um, call it from now. Our own Catholics of Oz Facebook page, facebook.com slash Catholics of Oz. And good old email, Catholics of Oz at SQPN.com. Caroline, thank you so much for being on the show today. Been a mammoth and, show. Oh, let's see if Lino can top that. No pressure. Lino, wow. thank you so much for being on the show no. today. It has been awesome. <laughs> no, Caroline, that mammoth session and yeah. the theology session. Yeah. 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 It was yeah. so good. So good. Okay. Take care, everyone. God bless. And next we'll time. see yeah, you Once next again, time. I'm Lindsay Sad. And thank you so much for joining us for episode 109 of the Catholics of Oz on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Secret Art. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at starquest.fm slash art. We'd like to thank Patrick McCaffrey of Moonshadow Studios for editing this episode. To have your audio edited professionally and with care, check out more of Patrick's work at moonshadowstudios.biz. That's moonshadowstudios.biz.